I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land in which this podcast is being recorded, the Gonokurnai Nation. I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, especially those listening here today. Welcome to Catch Me Outside My Comfort Zone, a lifestyle podcast that focuses on the outside of our zones as well as the inside of our homes. I'm your host, Alyssa Sutherland, interior designer and entrepreneur. Come with me as I take you on a journey to build the life of your dreams. Hello guys and welcome back to another episode of Catch Me Outside My Comfort Zone. I'm really excited because this episode is the first of many to come that dives deep into design. So you're all well aware by now that I am an interior designer and that is what the second half of this podcast journey is going to be about designing, building, renovating, all the things. So I thought it would be great to start it off with an episode that is basically my POV point of view as an interior designer. Now I'm not going to lie to you, yes it's a pretty cool job. It's fun, it's eclectic and it can feel really effortless and bring me so much pleasure in my life. But that doesn't mean it's an easy job and this is where the stigma commences. For as long as I can remember starting to tell people that it was my plan to become an interior designer, it was always met with like brutal opinions and throwaway comments. People would say things such as, why don't you just choose a normal job, like be a nurse or a teacher, or that's going to be really hard to find a job after you graduate, or isn't that just fluffing cushions and picking paint colors? And trust me, I understand where these people are coming from. I get it. It's called fear. Fear of failure, and that's something I haven't been afraid of. If you listened to the first episode, you'll remember me talking about when I moved home from Melbourne and I had this feeling like I'd failed. I'd failed myself, I'd failed my career choice, failed my parents, but deep down I actually knew that that wasn't failure. I was just pivoting, and that's called adapting, (laughs) and that's a skill I've gotten the hang of pretty well by now, and as well, I've been able to manage to block out those fears of others, because all along, not only did I know that I desired a career as an interior designer, I knew that I was born for it, and I've never once questioned it. Okay, so you're probably wondering, what is interior design? Well, interior design is the creation of a space or enhancement of an existing space that ensures functionality, feasibility, flows fluidly, enables a desired feeling, and finally appeals to the eye through curated and considered aesthetics. Yes, I did come up with that definition myself. So basically, the role of an interior designer is to undertake a deeper understanding of their client and the design brief and convert that inspiration and expectation into reality form. Now, there's many elements and layers to interior design, and quite often it's assumed to be limited to coming in at the end of a build and styling, decorating, and quote-unquote fluffing cushions, to which categorizes under soft furnishings, which is only just one avenue and task of an interior designer and stylist. And whilst a lot of designers use this as their niche and they focus on this, there's a lot more to being a designer and it begins well and truly before a single other tradesperson has even entered the site. All right, 
So let's rewind and let's go back to the start. How do you get into this industry? So a lot of people do just, you know, wing it and have this passion for design and they're creative and they have a flair for it and they just somehow through hard work and perseverance really build themselves a career in the industry through experience and drive and never actually undertake any study or qualification but there is courses out there and qualifications to become an interior designer and that's what I did so I studied at Swinburne University of Technology and I graduated in 2019 and I did a diploma and advanced diploma of interior design so you can then go further into the bachelor of design interior architecture architecture whatever pathway you really want to go down, or you can enter the industry after graduating from the diplomas. And whilst you are doing that, you have the opportunity to do work experience or placement within the industry. And I was so lucky that I had a little bit of time to work with the most amazing, most down-to-earth designer, Danielle Brussman. You'll have to go and check out her Instagram and her work. She has just the most amazing style and she's super eclectic and she's super bold. She's not afraid of colour and we just had the best time together and she's now gone more down the furniture design pathway and she's absolutely killing it. So I'm so grateful I got to do some one-on-one work with her. And again, now I feel like in the course, they have the opportunity to have mentors rather than the experience on site. And this year just gone, sorry, I was really honored to be asked back as a student mentor and had the opportunity to mentor a designer at Swinburne, um, a student designer. So that was so epic and I felt so honoured to be asked to do that. And I had the best student and it was a real full circle moment for me because when we got to the end of the year and they had their final exhibition where they present their work to not only their teachers but to industry guests and to be there and to be an industry guest three years on from when I was in their shoes as the student presenting so nervously to a panel of Melbourne's best designers and architects to then be on the other side of that and be the one that they're presenting to just like blew my own mind. I still remember that day when I was at the end of my course and had that final presentation and the the result from that was so out of this world. Like it was the best day of my life and the feedback I received from those designers and those architects was the was the courage and the belief that, that I needed to know that I was ready to step into the industry and I didn't need to keep studying. I, I could do this. They were like, you've got this girl, you know what you're doing. Here's your fucking wings. Now go fly. And I fucking did. And when I actually caught up with another architect at the exhibition last year, he was like, you know, I still remember you being the student and and like I was telling him that where I've gotten to now and everything I've been through and he was like yep I'm not surprised that you're doing your own thing because you can do that you have that drive and you have that design I feel like the word is like blueprint like 
there's particular designers in this industry that were born to be a brand, a different feeling when you know deep down that you are a catalyst to creating your own company and niche, I guess. And he said to me, like, you're a big fish in a big pond. In No, a big fish in a little pond because I've managed to create a name for myself and a reputation for myself in a regional area rather than being in Melbourne and competing with everything that's going on there. So that was a really amazing opportunity that I had last year, even just to catch up with my teachers and I still have good relationships with them. And that's something that's been really important for me is that ability to network and to have those mentors still available to you and they see what you're doing and they're still so proud of me. So yeah, I feel like it's awesome having a place in the design industry because it's actually a really supportive industry to be a part of. That was a little bit of a tangent, but anyway. So once you've finished graduating, you can pretty much take a step into the industry in any direction you desire. And although it is pretty tricky to get your first job, like you've got to really put yourself out there and you've really got to be confident. I feel like it's a matter of understanding what your first job desire is. Because I used to say a long, long time ago, that I wanted to work for a building company, a residential building company, and help people build their homes. But then when it came to that time where I graduated and I had to start looking for work, that wasn't really the first pathway I looked down, which surprised me. And it now makes sense why that why every other job didn't come to fruition because it wasn't what I was desiring. So I applied for jobs at some interior design studios in Melbourne and I also did applications to work at furniture stores as well. So basically they're your two sort of, I want to say, main pathways. It's like you either go into the real interior design world or you go into like the furniture styling world. And I'm not trying to categorize them into two, but it basically is. And with that, there's a whole nother world of what categories these come under. If you're going into an architectural studio or a building company or a interior design studio, you're then able to work in a number of sectors, whether it's residential, commercial, hospitality, education, corporate sector, like office design, like there's so, so many, especially in Melbourne. And in those sectors, you You'll be designing, you'll be like doing plans and working drawings, 3D rendering, material sourcing, like specifying fixtures and fittings and, you know, electrical. And you'll then also be doing furniture sourcing and fit outs and styling. Whereas if you go into like the furniture side and the soft furnishing side, you're pretty much just doing furniture sourcing and doing fit outs and styling which is what happens obviously at the end of a build or if someone just hires you to stage a house before selling it or yeah people just need help styling their home or or like whatever it is so they're the two sort of main worlds it's like basically like soft furnishings or hard finishes and when you do study interior design you learn so much about both but to give you a rough indication in the course I did soft furnishings was one subject out of 13 subjects so there was a lot more that we learnt on the larger scale than how to fluff a cushion so 
just for those wondering. Not that I ever got taught how to fucking fluff a cushion at university anyway. We obviously learn about colour psychology and about curtains and how to measure curtains and I remember hating that class so much because I hate maths and having to do curtain calculations was just the death of me on a Monday morning. But aside from that and nearly failing soft furnishing subject at university... We learnt so much about design, about drawing, about terminology, about Australian standards. Gosh, go and read that book, tell you right now. That's a fucking hell of a hell of a throwback to think about that. And we learn about spatial planning most importantly. So I think a, a bit of a misconception is that designers just like come in at the end and yeah, do all the last minute things. But a designer's role really starts a long time before even a builder enters the site because a designer has a different approach, especially to construction, because they're not always thinking about the look. They're thinking about the feel and the vision. And for me and for pretty much every designer ever, I'm going to imagine, we are (laughs) three-dimensional minded. So like I can look at a floor plan and I can can walk through it three-dimensionally by just looking at a two-dimensional plan, like by looking at lines on a page. And like it's black and white. It's so simple. It's looking at that and understanding how am I going to walk through that space? Is this going to flow? Is this going to be a maze? Is it going to be functional? Like when I was at university, we learned this thing called a pedestrian plan and it was about designing a space with areas that are high traffic, areas that people will stop in, people will rest in and basically how to make that whole that flow on effect work between a large space or single room space, both commercially and residentially. And so when I'm dealing with people, and this is especially like when I was working at a building company and we're designing people's homes, understanding your clients and their routine is really important to understanding what spaces they spend the most time in in their home and also where they move through the space throughout the day to ensure that It's not a maze or there's no blocks when you're walking through their home and it just flows and it feels good. And I know that that makes such a difference because I live in a really old house that has a piss fucking poor floor plan. And as this is like a, you know, a 1960s house, the house is dependent on the internal walls. So you can't just go knocking down walls because the whole fucking thing will fall down. And that's something that not everyone knows. Like, well, if walls are like load bearing, then you have to be careful about like which one's going to come and down and where you're going to have to put steel and, and have structural stability to make sure that the fucking house stays standing. And although you might be thinking, well, isn't that a builder's job? Yeah, it is a builder's job. But it's important that an interior designer understands those things too, because they're the ones that are telling you which things that are coming out and what's going in and where it's all going to happen. Yeah, I guess it's just underestimated the role of a designer and their knowledge because you've got to know what you're doing. You've got to know how to like to discuss things with a client and with a builder. And something that I have actually kind of realized I play a major role in is that translation and relationship between client and builder and as an interior designer, you're in the middle of that. You're the middleman, middlewoman. And I've the best way to describe it is I'm like, yeah, I guess like the translator. Um, and 
almost their representative, their lawyer, (laughs) if you will. For me, I understand my client. I've made a good relationship with them. I understand their needs. I understand their desires. We've built a design together. We've built the concept together. We know what we want. We're working together. I've got their best interests at heart. When we go to the builder, or not just the builder, to any trade that are going to be involved in the project, we take our vision, we take our design, we take our ideas, and we tell them this is what we want, obviously, discuss it with them and ensure that it can be done and often the builder might come back and say I can't do this or I can't get that material I can't do this or yeah we can do that or that's not going to work but can we do this instead and they might just start talking all this builder jargon and the client's going to have no idea what is going on well not going to I'm not going to say that for everyone but a lot of the time they're just going to be like okay I guess we can't do it or I guess yep that's fine whatever they're just going to kind of let the builder do whatever or I'm sorry I need to stop saying builder they're going to just let the trade do whatever they say because they're just going to believe every word that they tell them whereas as an interior designer when you have an interior designer on board on your project they can read through the blurred lines that the trade might be trying to dictate and quite often And I don't want to speak on behalf of everyone because a lot of the time there are amazing trades out there who want the best for the client as well. But there are trades out there who want the easiest way for them and they're going to just cut a few corners to get there. So they might tell their client, I can't actually get that or I can't actually do that. And I, as a designer, know when there's not been clear transparency and I've had to stand up for my client and say, hang on a minute. I've gone and done my research. I value that you're telling us what you think, but actually you're wrong. (laughs) And, you know, that's important. That's what I'm getting paid to do. That's what my client is paying me to do is to give them a design and to follow through and make it happen. And if I have to, you know, be a bit bold and brave and stand up to a tradesperson to say, hang on a minute, what you're telling me and what you're telling my client is untrue, then that's what I'm going to do because I have the best interest in my heart for my client and for the overall results. And it's worked in my favor because they've gone and found out that information was untrue and they were just taking it from a different source, not doing their own research and just cutting to assumptions. And that's really poor effort if you ask me. So that's something that I find is a valuable part of the investment with having an interior designer on board is because they can understand what the builder is trying to say and then they can relay that information back to the client and say look the builder or the trade person has come back with this we can't actually do it and this is why xyz now I've come up with a result of what we can do instead and you know you tell me what you want to do or like I've mentioned before they've found something out they've done their research and said gone back to the trades person said no actually you're going to do this because this is what we're paying you to do and this is what we want and you'll get what you want. It's a bit of a uh, network game and you've got to really know what you're doing. You've got to know what you're talking about. Like, oh, it's terrifying being a woman in this industry, I tell you, because it's male-dominated and they will quite often assume, especially for someone like me who is a very young woman in this industry, they're going to just think I'm naive and I don't know what I'm talking about. And I'm not going to say I know everything because I don't. I'm still learning things, but I've been around the block a few years now to see how things happen and I kind of do know what I'm talking about if 
and I don't talk about things I don't know what I don't do. Like, if I don't know, I don't talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. I still remember this quote one of my university teachers said to me. It was like a fucking 8 a.m. class on a Monday morning and she came in and this woman was scary. I'm not going to lie, she was scary and you did not want to get on her bad side, but she was a fucking powerhouse architect and I really looked up to her and I did never, I just worked so hard to impress her. And, you know, she came in this one day and she said, she went on this tangent about, if you're going to be in this industry, you're going to have to know your shit better than the back of your fucking hand. Because when you are a woman and you're going on construction sites, you have to know what they're doing and what to talk about. And when they're trying to, you know, cut corners and when they're trying to ignore what you've designed, you have to be able to be confident enough to tell them, no, that's wrong. This is what we're doing. This is what's designed. This is what's on the drawings. And I remember that so, so much. And so when I was first going on construction sites, I was terrified, but I always made sure to know what was going on whenever I was entering a site. So I'd look up, you know, the daily updates, like where we documented the build and where the build was at and what stage it was at and what the trades were doing on site. Who were those trades even on site? Like it's important to know who's on site that day and not just assume that they're all carpenters. Like someone's an electrician, someone's a plumber, someone's doing the insulation, someone's the plasterer. Like there's two, two, there's actually two different types of plasterers. Like I didn't even know that, but there is. And then there's just so much more that goes on on a site than just being like than just builders at the end of the day a builder isn't even on site the builder's probably sitting in the office just letting you know <laughs> carpenters are the ones on site <laughs> like there is so much you need to know and so much that people don't know and I'm not gonna lie I didn't know a lot until I was working in a building company and I remember when I first started going on site when I was working in this building company and the guys would be like so weirded out by me. They'd be thinking like, who is this chick and like, what is she doing here? And then after time, they realized, oh, that's just Eliza. She knows what she's doing. And they would literally start what they're doing to come and chat to me and like ask me about other projects and what else was going on. And, you know, we had really good bands and good relationships. And it was because I just rocked up with confidence and knew what they were doing and valued what they were doing and gave them some good affirmation for what they did because it's really important that when you're when your construction team are doing a good job at their job give them credit for it because their job is important and it's really important to show that you're grateful for their work and when they do things right because often in this whole industry we only remember someone's last fuck up and <laughs> We're too quick to do that. We're too quick to to hate on somebody or to lose our shit because someone's like done something wrong, like one thing wrong. It's like, look at all the good things they've done though, you know? Focus on that. All right, I've really given a lot of talk to the building industry. So let's go back to the interior design industry and what is my daily, like what are my daily roles as an interior designer and what kind of projects I take on? So you know, my chapters of working in soft furnishings and in the building industry or in a building company have closed. So now I run my own creative agency. I'm the director and I am the sole employee at this point. So I do it all. I'm like the jack of all trades, master of none. But at the same time, I take on different scoped projects. So sometimes I'll have a client come to me and they will be wanting to renovate their home so 
we will have an on-site consultation where we discuss their their desires but a lot of the time they have no idea what to do they just know that they want something different and they just don't know how to make it happen and they have a visual for it or they have you know a few ideas of like inspiration but deep down they know that something major has to change in terms of the structure they just don't know how to make that happen and that's where an interior designer can come in and help them with that. So I, I really personally love renovation projects. They've become one of my favorites to work on because it's a challenge. There's so much more at stake and there's so many more constraints to work with. And you've got a ref, like you've got an area that exists and you have to work within that. And the first project I took on since becoming my own business owner was for a past client and you know she was renovating her home and she was telling me that she wanted to extend the house and when I was there I was like walking around and like this house is fucking huge you actually don't realize how much space you have to work with because everything is on such a large scale both width and height and she was like oh my god you're so right and we completely redefined the space by working with the internal walls and yeah it's turned out amazing I can't wait to share more of that project so yeah that's a that's when it comes down to renovating like you can do so much with your existing space and how bringing on an interior designer brings in fresh eyes and has a different perspective of the project because when you are living in your own home it's hard to understand or to visualize it being any different whereas bringing someone who has that profession to see through what's there and what it has a potential to be that's the investment you make by having an interior designer and that's what their skill set lies in so that's just one element of course when it comes to new builds and I'm focusing on residential for now when it comes to new builds there's the opportunity to bring in an interior designer on the project at the same time as working with a drafts person or an architect and they can collaborate to have a really refined result when it comes to the design both thinking about how the house and the structure is going to look on the land with its natural scape and also how to incorporate that natural environment in the interiors and working those two together and how the material palette and selection is really important. I think that's really looked upon because not many people think of bringing the interior designer in that early but I don't know why because they're going to make so much of a difference to your overall finish when you've had them from the start because they've known what's going on and what you've desired from the start. Without having an interior designer, there's no brief that gets followed from start to finish and then you can look back and be like, oh my God, we said we wanted that at the start and we got what we wanted. Whereas when you like skip the interior designer, you have these ideas and you have these desires, but they get missed. They get taken away from you because you're not dealing with the professional that helps those desires come to fruition, if you know what I'm saying. Whereas a lot of trades or a lot of builders or salespersons especially will manipulate you and make you make other choices that aren't focused on the design. And that's okay because, you know, it comes down to budget and it comes down to feasibility. But at the same time, the design at the end of the day is what makes something, you know, a finished product. And often I've had clients come to me in the past and they've been like, you know, we wish we did this. We wish we actually just spent that money and did that to get that look or to get that result because that's what we wanted all along. But that didn't happen. So it's really interesting how design actually makes a full circle moment. And at the end of the day, whilst it might be the focus that gets taken away, 
it ends up being the focus at the end. So why not focus on it from the start? Some advice that I find myself giving to my clients is if you get to the end of this, are you going to look back and regret not doing that? Or do you think you'll regret doing it? If their answer is, I know I'm going to regret if I don't do it, if I don't pick that and if I pick a safe option or I pick the cheaper option, I am going to look back and wish I'd just spend a bit more money or I wish I did make that choice from the start and prioritized that so that I get the overall desire and design that I want all along. That's why people do these projects. People don't just think, oh, this really needs to change just for the fun of it. They change it because they have a vision, they have ideas, they have a style that they want. And when they go to begin the project and they, they tell the person they're dealing with, I want this, this and this, and then they get shot down because, oh no, you, you can't afford to do that or you should spend your money on something else. And look, I also am an advocate for investing on upgrades that aren't focused on design. And I've, I will definitely talk about that in another episode. But sometimes when I when I come, I come across a client and they're so focused on a particular thing, like I'm working with a client at the moment who's having a green kitchen and we had back and forth conversations about whether we do it or not. And I said to her, if you just pick a safe option, if you pick white and have a white kitchen, are you going to regret that? Are you going to actually think I'm going to be happy with this? Or are you going to think this is boring? I wish I'd done green because that's what I've wanted forever. And she's like, I'm going to regret it. So we're doing a fucking green kitchen. And I'm just like, yeehaw, let's do it. Like, I cannot wait to see it. It's going to look amazing. And that is, again, the skill I have and the relationship I build with my clients is based on confidence and giving that reassurance that what they're doing is right. Because I can read through people and deep down what's important to them and When it's your own home and it's your own space, you need to forget about what everyone else is going to think and have the empowerment that this is going to be amazing because it's going to reflect who you are and it's going to look good and it's going to be beautiful and you're going to love it because it's what you like. It's not what everyone else likes or what everyone else has. It's so important to, to be authentic when it comes to designing your own home. And to not worry about what is on fucking trend, and that's another episode I'm telling you right now, that's something I really instill with my clients is confidence to make sure that they are going to be happy in their home or in their space because it's representing who they are. And I am the biggest hype up for that. And I love it. I love when people step outside their comfort zone and make big, bold choices you literally cannot go wrong. Act confident. No one will question you. And you can't impress everyone else. That's not what you're doing. It's your home. It's your space. You've got to make it your sanctuary and make it feel right for you. I'm sure by now you can see how I'm making the connection between stepping outside your comfort zone as well as inside your home because it's so important that in our home we make it feel like our space and my design philosophy is to enhance the human experience and using design as a tool to do that in personal ways and professional ways but like as a designer the capability you have to enhance someone's experience on earth by shifting the way energy feels within their home is a really cool thing and it's something that I take really seriously. So okay, another avenue I do work in is the soft furnishings and styling world. And I love it. I love cushions, don't get me wrong. But it is a lot harder than people think. Because when I'm dealing with a client 
and I'm just doing the furniture fit out and furniture sourcing, there's either an existing home or they're building a new home. And when I'm coming in at the end, which can be really difficult, I have to really suit their style to the existing home or to the building that they're constructing. And it's a challenge. You know, not every day is fucking site visits and sunshine. Like some days I am on my computer for hours and hours and hours sourcing furniture and putting together concept boards to work together and look good and getting different fabric samples and discussing custom furniture pieces and all this stuff, which it's actually like really hard than to execute that and make it all work together and and do a complete fit out in a home is a huge job it's fucking fun though like I used to love doing our styling shoots when I was working at the building company like would come into the house at the end of the build style it all up and do a photo shoot it was so much fun I love it so much but yeah it's just an underestimated um skill I think a styler and Honestly, if you say this word, do not call somebody a decorator. Please never use that word. It's offensive. But yeah, that's, again, another pathway that I work on in my business too. And don't get me wrong, when I say this is hard, I'm very aware that it's a first world problem type of hard. It's not working in an emergency room. It's not working in life or death situations. But at the same time, we live in a world where we all think we've got up really hard. And I'm so aware that my job is not categorized under life or death circumstances but in the day like it is stressful like you're dealing with people's homes you're dealing with people's money like there's so much responsibility on your shoulders and at the end of the day to be thrown the comment like you just fluff cushions and honestly if that's all I did all day that would be a fucking dream life but unfortunately there's a little bit more (laughs) involved and I just want to make that clear I guess It's funny because on some projects, I'm working with the client from start to finish and it's amazing now some of the clients I've dealt with that I helped them build their house and I was with them from the very beginning designing their home to now like putting their final things in the home like their curtains and their mirrors and all that stuff is so much fun and it's such a huge journey to be on with somebody and you build such a strong connection with that person or that family and it's just a really rewarding feeling because you've concepted and you've designed this home that they're going to live in for a really long time and there's a huge I guess responsibility that comes with that because you're putting this energy into the space this aura with the with the pieces you put in it the the way you design it the layout the space the whole thing and yeah it actually is a lot more serious than people make of it at the end of the day my quote at the moment is nothing is ever that serious and design is meant to be fun. It's meant to be playful. It's meant to be flowy and easy and we all have different styles, whether it's super eclectic and colorful or minimalist and simple, modern or mid-century modern. Like we all have so much differentiation throughout our homes, which is amazing. And I love that I have that capability to adapt to somebody else's style and And again, with their existing home and how we can play around with different eras of furniture and artwork and all the things to make it look super considered and curated. It's a really fucking fun journey to be on. I feel like this whole episode has been a journey in itself because there's so much I've talked about in so many different ways. But that is my accurate POV. Like my life as a designer is 
wearing multiple hats. It's having different responsibilities, whether I'm scrolling for furniture for somebody, whether it's going to the tile shop with somebody, whether it's walking into a home and telling them what walls to knock down and what walls to move, whether it's going on site and dealing with trades, going to appointments and meetings. There is so much I do and my brain is just like exploding all the time with new ideas. But at the end of the day, no two days are ever the same. And that's what I love about being a designer. No two projects are ever the same. And I don't think they ever should be. I hate that there's companies out there that do the same thing over and over for their clients. I think everyone deserves design and everyone deserves to have a home or a space that feels good for them and and represents them and yeah for now in my life I've really grown to love the whole residential side of designing because it's personal and it's accustomed to somebody's lifestyle and their needs and it just makes me feel really fulfilled when I get to see that person living in their home and know how good it makes them feel. You know, it's a designer's world and we're all just living in it. 